Hi, this is Dr. William Balanoff with Dentistry Goals. And what I want to talk about today is prescribing treatment for patients and all of our angst about what the patient's going to say when we make a recommendation. So I thought I'd start out with a couple of stories first. <clears throat> when I was a younger dentist, I had a patient come in older, probably in her 90s, and she needed a new upper denture and a lower partial. And I was so afraid to tell her what she needed because I thought, well, she's going to tell me I'm 90 years old and why do I want to spend money on something like that? It seems like such a waste. But instead, what I did is I treated her like I would anybody else. I said, you know, you need to have a, a new upper denture and a lower partial. And she said, great, thank you. Let's get started immediately. And not only did she get started immediately, but she also paid in advance. And what that taught me a long, long time ago is that the patients that come in to see us truly want us to tell them what's wrong. And I've used an expression in the past. I always say that patients, you know, are coming to us because they want to buy. They just don't know what we're selling. And that doesn't mean it in a bad way or anything like that. They're coming to us and they want us to truly say that, hey, everything is healthy. See you in three months and six months or whatever the case is. Or if there's a problem, they want us to tell them that. And for us dentists, we're so afraid, and I include hygienists as well, we're so afraid of the rejection that we find difficulty sometimes telling patients what needs to be done. So that's really what I want to talk about, which is the confidence to tell patients what's wrong. And of course, what to do if they say, well, I'm not interested in getting started. Your only obligation as a dentist or your only obligation as a hygienist is to tell patients what's wrong and what the solution is to their problem. And most of the time, their problems are relatively simple. You know, scaling and replaning, replace a filling. You have a cavity, get a filling. You have a, you have a broken tooth, get a crown. You have a crown that's leaking, replace the crown. Very rarely does it involve like big reconstruction or something along those lines. So let's kind of start out with the easy stuff first. And this is a very old sales technique. And I hate to use the word sales because a lot of times that turns dentists and hygienists off because they say, well, we're professionals. We're not selling. Well, let me kind of dispel, dispel that myth. You're selling every single day of your life. And what you're selling is you're selling health. And, and patients don't know what health is. So it's your job to get them to the finish line. So patient comes in and let's start with the hygiene visits. The hygienist probes them. There's bleeding upon probing. There's pocket depths of greater than four or five millimeters. There may be some exudate. There may be something going on. There may be some plaque, certainly a lot of tartar. Your job is to tell them that they have gum disease, not gingivitis, not that, hey, we got to do a deep cleaning on your gums. You know, you have gum disease. And how do you get patients to say yes to the scaling and replaning? A lot of times it becomes a difficult conversation for us, again, because we're so afraid of the rejection and, and we have to stop right now. We can't be afraid of the rejection. We're the doctors, we're the hygienists, we're there to make these patients healthy. And the only way we can do that is by telling them what's wrong and getting them to say yes. So the patient comes in, they've got periodontal disease, gum disease. Our job is to tell them that and to document that in their chart. Okay, so we do that all the time. But how do you get them to say yes to the scaling and root planning? Well, people are motivated for a lot of different reasons. And sadly for us, they're very rarely motivated because of health. They are always motivated when it comes to, for the most part, three other topics. 
the first motivation for almost everybody. And when I start to give you a couple of examples, it'll start to make a lot of sense to you. But when I talk about it in just a second, you're going to be like, oh, that can't be true. I can't. That's just not right. So what is that first motivation? The first motivation is sex. And before you swerve the car off the road while you're listening to my podcast or you're like, oh, this guy's crazy, let's kind of like dissect it out a little bit. So what is the motivation again? The motivation is looking for somebody to share your life with. And part of that equation is sex. So why do we get a haircut? Because we want to look nice to the opposite sex. Why do we like shave? Why do we put deodorant on? Because we want to smell nice to somebody that we're attracted to. Why do we brush our teeth? Why do we buy a fancy car? Why do we do all the things that we do? Most of the time, it's to try and impress somebody else. It's not to say that we're not doing it to impress ourselves. Of course we do that. It makes perfectly good sense. But most of the time we do something, it's because we're trying to impress someone else. So if somebody comes in and they need scaling and replaning because they've got gum disease, what's the motivation to get them to say yes? Well, in men, it's kind of easy. Mr. Smith, you have gum disease. And do you realize that by having gum disease, you're predisposing your body to sexual impotence? Because it is. Gum disease is going to be a microvascular problem. It exacerbates diabetes. It exacerbates heart disease. It can cause certain types of pneumonia. And it will cause men to either not get an erection or not maintain a, a, a typical type of erection. Those are powerful words to a man sitting in the chair, especially a younger one. But don't fool yourself that it doesn't work for older guys too, meaning over the age of 50. So they have gum disease and you want them to get their mouth healthy for all the reasons why we know as a dentist, which is less chance of stroke, less chance of heart attack, less chance of exacerbating their diabetes. Talk to them in terms of something they understand, which is sex. And that becomes an incredible motivator for that patient in the chair to say yes to the scaling and replaning because you've given them a reason why this becomes important to them. If you tell them, oh, you've got gum disease, you may have a heart attack, it doesn't really mean much because they don't, they're not thinking of terms of heart attack, they're not thinking of terms of stroke. But if you tell them that their gum disease will prevent them from getting an erection, that becomes a very powerful motivator for them to say yes. So that's one of the things we wanna start with which is, you know, what are the motivations for people to say yes? Well, the number one reason is sex. We talked about that. That is trying to find somebody in your life that you want to be with. And whether that person's part of your life already and you want to maintain that relationship or if you're looking for a relationship, that's one of the reasons we do what we do. So why do people go to the gym and exercise? And why do they make all those New Year's resolutions? In the beginning, selfishly, we think, well, we're going to do it because you know, we want to make ourselves healthier and that's a good thing. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that our wife or our husband or our significant other or boyfriend or girlfriend or whomever finds us attractive. And we know that by exercising and eating well, that makes us look attractive. And that's one of the things we want. So the number one motivation is sex or looking for a mate. And there's no reason why you can't address it. So we've talked about the male reason for wanting to do something, okay? What if we have a female in the chair? Is her motivation the same as a man? Yeah, yeah, women like to have sex too. 
Women want to be with somebody as well. They want a partner in life. So what are some of the other reasons why we do things? Well, we do things for job advancement. <clears throat> You're like, job advancement? How does that kind of figure into my poor gum disease? What you're going to say to the person sitting in the chair is, you know, do you feel very uncomfortable ever about your breath? Because when you have gum disease, your breath has an odor to it and typically not a good odor. And have you ever experienced when you're around your coworkers and you're talking that, you know, sometimes they kind of like walk away or they don't want to have close quarter conversations with you. And at the end of the day, if your coworkers don't like to work with you, the likelihood that your boss is going to promote you becomes less and less. I had a patient come in one time. He was in his 40s. Great guy. He knew that his teeth were causing him not to be promoted because he never smiled at work. He hated his smile. And we should talk about that with our patients. Remember, our motivation is to make them healthy. And part of healthy is to boost their self-esteem so when they smile, they feel good about themselves. That's the beautiful thing about being a dentist. Boy, the stuff we can do is just mind-boggling. So talking to a man or a woman in your chair about their smile and then giving them a reason to do something about their smile because of job advancement is a big deal. So as they come in and you ask the patient, and you can ask them these questions, they're going to appreciate it. You say, <clears throat> do you find yourself smiling a lot? And we all know who those patients are. They come in, they're kind of grumpy. Their lips are always hanging low, covering up their teeth. You should ask them, do you ever feel uncomfortable at your smile? And do you think you lack of smiling is interfered with your ability to interact with your coworkers? And do you think it's stopped you from getting a promotion? That, those questions, that phraseology is so powerful to our patients that they will, they'll break down. They'll tell you, it's like, yeah. I, I don't like my smile. My coworkers think that I'm always angry and I'm not angry. I'm a happy person. I've got a great life, but I just don't like my smile. So I tend not to, uh, tend not to smile and I need to stop that. I, I want to smile. I hate being frowny. So that's the number two reason. The number three reason is beauty. We all want to look good. We want to look good again, not only for ourselves, that's a really important thing, but we also want to look good to our peer group, okay? So we talked about sex as the number one motivator of why we do things. We also want to look good among our peer group. So if you're a woman, you want to look good and you pay a lot of attention to what your hair looks like, your nail looks like, what kind of clothes you're wearing, you know, the kind of shoes you're wearing, does everything match, you know, whether or not your hair needs to be colored or touched up. Guys do a lot of the same thing, maybe not to the same category of, of women, but guys do exactly the same thing. Talking about somebody's teeth and saying, do you think your teeth enhance your beauty is a question that you should have with your female patients, especially, especially over the age of 50. Those are the patients that certainly can benefit from veneers and crowns. Patients that are younger certainly can benefit from veneers and orthodontics is not out of the question. I had a patient one time, 76-year-old lady. Her first name was Rose. She needed a fixed bridge, three to six with a, a, a pier abutment in between. I think it was tooth number five. So she needed a long bridge and we were going to make this bridge. 
And she said to me, because we had a great conversation and we have a good interaction, she pointed to the little tooth between her middle tooth and her canine, as we know, the lateral incisor. And she said, that one is pushed in. Can we push it out so that everything is on the same, her words, not mine, on the same line? She was referring to her arch form. And I said, of course we can do that. I referred her to the orthodontist. He made a removable appliance with a finger spring and he pushed out the lateral incisor so that it was in the same plane as the rest of her teeth. And then I went on to finish her bridge. She said to me her whole life, she's been so self-conscious of that little tooth sticking in that when she would smile, she would take her, she would take her right hand and she would cover up that side of her mouth. So that's how powerful this stuff is. Patients want to see this kind of stuff. They, they want us to talk to them, but we're so afraid of the rejection of being told no that we forget that we've got to put it in terms of the way they think about life. And of course, the fourth reason why we do things is, is health. And that sadly is the least powerful for all of us, unless something really major goes wrong. But health certainly is the least major. So let's review that. The number one reason people do things, sex, companionship. They want to make sure that boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife in their life. And it's your obligation to talk to them about it and try and give them what their goal is. The number two reason, job advancement. Something that we rarely ever think about, but when our patients are not smiling, it's perceived that they're mad at the world and their coworkers think that they're mad and they tend not to do well in a work environment. Number three, beauty. And number four, health. So we get all high and mighty as dentists and hygienists. And we want to start talking the whole medical dental connection. We want to go down that track. Look at, I get it. It's what we like to do. It's what we understand. Patients don't understand this. What patients understand is the things that are important to their life. You know, they drive a certain car because they think it makes them look good. They drive a certain car because they think it makes them safe. They drive a certain car because they think it's going to make them attracted to the opposite sex. So let's back up for a second. What does that have to do with the four things that I just mentioned? Well, if they're, if they're driving a certain car to make themselves attractive, that has to do with sex or trying to find a partner. If they're doing it, driving a certain car, sometimes they'll do it for job advancement. If they're in the real estate business, they're like, well, people like buying houses from successful people. So I'm a real estate agent. I'm going to have this big, beautiful car to know, to let that person know that I'm a successful real estate agent. And of course, if you're driving a beautiful car, um, it certainly has a certain amount of beauty. And if you're driving a certain car and you buy that car for safety, it all has to do about your health. But of the car manufacturers out there, and Volvo certainly played on the health aspect more than anything else, that was the least important. Most of the time, you see ads where somebody's driving down the road with their hair flowing in the wind, and they're happy, and they're listening to music, and you know, usually there's a significant other in the car, and it could be a family. You know, when I say significant other, I'm not necessarily talking about sex you know, going out to a club, trying to find somebody to hook up with. What I'm talking about is making sure that the unit that you've created for yourself is maintained. You want to make sure that the person that you're involved with continually finds you attractive. So with those four reasons in mind, that's really what you want to spend time talking to patients about. And you want to relate the conversation to the things that are important to them. And remember, health is the least important to them. Although number one in our world, because that's what we were trained to do, it's not number one in their world. And that's what I want you to pay attention to when you talk to these patients. Try it tomorrow. 
just spend an extra few minutes talking to your patients about like what's important to them when they come to the dentist. And you're going to be amazed at how fast it is. And again, you're not looking to try and sell them on some gigantic veneer case because that's complicated to do because there's a lot of diagnostic stuff that goes into that. But if they understand that you're truly interested in what's, what's important to them, they're going to start to open up and they're going to start to trust you. And before you know it, they're going to start to say yes to all the things that they need to have done. And that's a good place to be. So that is it for this particular podcast. We're going to talk about sale techniques and other podcasts. But, uh, you know, please tune in and listen. There's so many exciting things to talk about. This is Dr. William Balanoff for Dentistry Goals. Thank you.